0: As we prepare for tonight's scripture reading, let us hear the words of Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand is made and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one whom I will look, to whom I will look, he who is humble. And contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. May we be those who tremble at God's word. Spirit, give us ears to hear. This is Mark 15. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so and the chief priests accused him of many things and Pilate again asked him have you no answer to make see how many charges they bring against you but Jesus made no further answer and Pilate was amazed now at the feast he used now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked and among the rebels in prison who had committed murder and and in the insurrection there was a man called Barabbas And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release, to have them release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified.
1: And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. They clothed him in purple cloak, and twisting together a crowd of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. And it was the third hour when they crucified him, and the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one at his right and one at his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who have destroyed the temple and rebuild rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him, to one another saying he saved the others he cannot save himself let the christ the king of israel come down from the cross that we may see and believe those who were crucified with him also reviled him
2: and when the sixth hour had come there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour and at the ninth hour jesus cried out with a loud voice eloi eloia let which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And when Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple was torn uh, into from top to bottom, and when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed out his last, and he said, "Truly, this man was the son of God." And there was also there was also some women looking on from a distance. Among them was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and the younger, and of Joseph and uh, Salome. And when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him, and they were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when the evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already that he that he was already dead. And summoning the centurion uh, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the uh, centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph and Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Hoses, uh saw
3: where he was laid. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. Got one. Anybody? Anybody else? <laughs> um, would you pray with me before we begin? Father God, we, we need you right now, in this moment. Uh, we need you always. Tonight as we look at your word, as we look at The climax of human history, may we be reminded of your love and grace for us, that you really did send your Son to die for us. Um, Lord, and we know that Jesus' life wasn't taken, He willingly laid it down for us. May we see that truth tonight, and may you change our hearts as we hear from your Spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm uh, grateful uh, to be up here standing before you to be able to preach God's word uh, this evening. And when Matt called me and asked me, or I guess he asked me in person, would you like to preach at a college gathering? I said, sure. So he scheduled me for uh, two days after I got back from my honeymoon back in March. Called him up immediately. I was like, "Bro, that's not gonna work. I can't. Do- no one wants to hear me. Then I'm not gonna have any time to prepare." So he goes, "Okay, well, how about I'll just give you Mark 15, the death of Christ." And I was like, "You sure about that? Like, I don't want to. I don't want to take your thunder." And he goes, "No, man, you got it. Just don't botch it." So <laughs> here we are. Um, probably should have should have uh, left it for him, but. Some reason I took it, um, but I, I really am grateful to be up here. And um, my wife is actually—I didn't go to Sanford, but my wife uh, did go to Sanford, and asked her what I should say tonight. So everything I have to say, knows she she knew exactly how to speak to Sanford students. So she basically she basically wrote this sermon. Um, if you're uh, if you're sitting there thinking. This guy like kind of looks familiar um, he kind of looks like a, a guy who is really intense on the intramural courts that's that's because I am that person um, i'm a washed up graduate student at Beeson Divinity School, and uh I still try to get after it with the undergrads but i'm uh it's like really hard to put my socks on already like i, I it's I struggle to do that um, and I'm not even in my thirties yet so Get ready for it. Um, Stay in shape while you can. Um, Tonight, we're going to look at death. And uh, I know what you're thinking. I'm in college, dude. Like, we don't talk about death in college. College is about fun and freedom and more freedom. But uh, since it's tax day, you know, we're just going to go ahead and talk about the other certainty in life, death. Death and taxes, how ironic here on the 17th of April. Um, How many of you grew up in the South? Yeah, pretty much everybody. Who didn't grow up in the South? There we go, two. Nice. Um, For those of you, I mean, I guess if you're at Sanford, this will probably still apply. I assume you're at Sanford. When you hear the phrase, Jesus died for you, it's 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 really like someone saying hey trump just tweeted it's like i know that he he does it all the time i know that but but why does that matter for me like i don't care about that and as someone who's been a christian for a decent amount of time i still hear when i hear jesus died for you i'm still like okay like i know that and i'm not going to be able to explain to you why trump's trump's tweets matter tonight but I hope we can look together at uh, more closely at, at why Jesus' death matters for us today. Statistics say that many of you are seconds away from tuning out. So before you tune out, hear this. Without the death of Jesus, your life would be meaningless. Without the death of Jesus, my life would be Meaningless our lives would be completely meaningless if Jesus had not died. So tonight in Mark 15, we're going to look in particular at verses 33 to 39. And it's going to help us answer this question that that you've been, that you've been seeing throughout all of Mark. And it's, who is Jesus? Who is this guy? And this question comes up a lot in Mark, and I actually went back and, and traced um, and look to see where, where it does surface. And the first time it comes up is in Mark chapter 1. Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit. And verse 27 reads And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? A few chapters later in Mark 4, Jesus is with his disciples on, in a boat. Everybody knows the story. And there's a storm, and, and Jesus is sleeping. And his disciples wake him. Jesus, what, are you going to help us here? Are you not scared? We're about to die. And in verse 41, 41, his disciples say, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? A few chapters later in Mark 6, after teaching in the synagogue, many who heard him, they were astonished and they said, where did this man get these things? In other words, who, who is this guy? Then today, the beginning of our chapter today, in in Mark chapter 15, Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Who are you? Who is this Jesus standing in front of me? So everyone, his disciples, the Pharisees, bystanders, Roman governors, everyone is trying to figure out who he is. And, And this question is completely legitimate, right? I mean, imagine, I know I just asked you, you all grew up in the South, but imagine, having grown up and never heard this story and someone taking you aside and saying, Hey, come read uh, this thing called the Bible. I want to read through, through the book of Mark with you. You're like, all right, let's do it. And you're reading along. You have no idea what's coming next. And you get to Mark 15 and you read this account where Jesus is put on trial. And you're like, you start thinking, what, what's happening here? Well, and then you, and then you read and he's mocked and he's tortured and he's beaten and then he's taking his, he's, he's carrying his cross. And, and you're, you'd, ha, you'd have to be thinking, why, why did he do this? Why did Jesus do this? We're talking about Jesus, the Jesus we've been reading about, who, who performed miracles and casted out demons and walked on water and multiplied food, calmed the seas. But then he was arrested by the Roman government and, and ridiculed and mocked and tortured. Could, could Jesus not have just said, hey guys, to his disciples, hey guys, it's been fun doing some ministry with you here on earth. You know, I'm, I'm a 33 years old now, I'm a little past my prime, and it's, it's, been, it's been fun, but it's time for me to go ahead and ascend on up to heaven where I belong. Um, don't worry, I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit with you. You'll have that, it'll comfort you. Hope you get a lot of converts, but uh, I'm just going to go ahead and peace out of here. We know he doesn't do that. And this chapter shows us that that's not the outro that, that Jesus had in mind. When I, was, uh, when I read this chapter for the first time, the length of the chapter struck me. Mark is generally an abbreviated writer, and, and there's so many details in this chapter that, that we could look at tonight. And if you look carefully, you'll notice that this chapter actually records the events of an entire day. Verse one, it says as soon as it was morning, that's when Jesus went to trial. And then in verse 42, it says when evening had come. So 47 verses to one day, the day of Jesus' death. Usually when death is spoken of in the Bible, it's mentioned in passing. Our our pastor Joel mentioned this a few weeks ago. And here, here are a few examples. Genesis 25, it says, Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age. In Genesis 35, And Isaac breathed his last and he died. In Genesis 49, When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. In Deuteronomy 34, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. In Joshua 24, after these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died being 110 years old. You're thinking, I got the point. I got more. First Kings two, then David died and was buried in the city of David. David was a pretty important guy. One sentence. First Kings 11, and Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, his father. And then we get to Jesus and we get 47 verses just on the day of his death. It's because all, For all these other guys, death was the end for them. But for Jesus, death is the climax of the story. Death is where, that's where Jesus thrives. When leaders and kings die, their power goes with them. But for Jesus, his power is on full display on the cross. So for 14 chapters of Mark, we get to know Jesus Christ. We get to know his miracles, read about who he's come to save, who his disciples are, what they believe, who his opponents are, who the Pharisees are, why they hate Jesus, and all all of that. And just like that, he's on the cross. So to answer this question, who is Jesus, we need to look briefly at two questions. Number one, we're going to look at what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And then number two, we're going to look at why, why, why did he go to the cross? Why did he do it that way? So, number one, what did he accomplish on the cross? And I have three of these. Number one, Jesus died so that you would not have to experience hell. Look with me at verses 33 and 34. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus' death was not quickly executed. He was on the cross for six hours. I'm a huge golfer, and a normal golf round is about four hours. But I've played a six-hour round before. And it's forever. takes forever. I don't even enjoy it. I love golf, but I don't even like a six-hour round. Six hours on the cross? Sometimes we just think, oh, like, he was probably up there for 30 minutes, like no big deal. He was there from the sixth hour. Excuse me, the third the From 9 a.m to 3 p.m. He was on the cross, whatever that hour that is. What I found fascinating is that the last three hours there was complete darkness over the land. And I was reading some commentaries, and some people say, "Oh, like, there was like a dust storm or it was really foggy." Not true. Passover happened on Thursday, and Passover happens at a full moon. And there was complete darkness the next day on Friday at 3 p.m. when the sun's supposed to be shining. Jesus, the light of the world, was emitting no light. He was completely cut off from the source, from his father. This is why Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can almost hear Jesus in dialogue with his father as he, as he hangs up there saying, I'm the light of the world, yet there's complete darkness, God. I'm, I'm the prince of peace, but what kind of peace do you see here on the cross? I'm, I'm the chief cornerstone, yet I'm about to be put to ruins. I'm the good shepherd, but what sheep will listen to a bloodied body on the tree? I'm a true vine, yet I'm hanging here rotting to death. I'm the great I am, but I'm about to be renamed the washed up I was. Father, why have you forsaken me? His humanity is on full display here. But get this, this day didn't catch Jesus off guard. No. Jesus knew he came to this earth to give his life up. A few chapters earlier in Mark, chapter 10... Jesus says, the son of man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays to his father as he sweats drops of blood. His humanity says, if there's another way, father, please, please do it that way. But his divinity said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus experienced complete separation from God, which, after all, is what hell is. That's the severity of sin. For us, sin causes separation from God because it forces us to deal with our guilt, and we can't clear our guilt on our own. One day, <laughs> I was uh, I just parked, and I was headed up to. Um, I just parked on campus, and I was headed up to my class. It was before eight a.m. and. I heard this car kind of wheeling in behind me. I was already out of my car walking. And I just hear this crunch. I was like, that sounded horrible. Turned around. This car had just straight up crunched this taillight of another car trying to pull in, completely overshot. I've never seen this before. I was like, that's very unfortunate. So I just kind of stand there and I'm watching. And the, and the car, the driver in the car stops, obviously, reverses it gets out of there another the car's taillight like literally shattered in pieces he just drove away the driver thought that he could clear his guilt by just running away I I literally almost just ran after him I was like what are you what are you doing do you just do you realize what you just did but we do that too with our sin when we sin we we just try to run away from it we think oh like that'll if, if I just forget about it, pretend like it didn't happen, I won't be guilty. But we know that's not true. Jesus said, I'm going to bridge that gap, the, the separation that, that sin causes. I'm going to bridge that, and I'm going to take on hell for you. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus bore the weight of the world's sin and experienced complete separation from God on the cross. And he did this for you. So when you run from the scene of your sin, you can run to the scene of the cross. So number one, Jesus experienced hell for you. Number two, Jesus died in order to provide direct access to the throne of God. Look a few verses down with me at verse 38, chapter 15. It's a quick quick line. It, says, it reads, And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I love how this verse is just sort of a passing comment. One reason for this is probably because Mark expected his audience to know what this meant. For us, or at least for me, I don't know about you, maybe smarter than I am. When I read it, I was kind of like, the heck does that mean? So before the time of Jesus, the Jews worshiped in the temple. The temple was where God dwelled among them. The entire temple was, was constructed to face this most holy place in the center, in the front of the temple. And this place is where the priests would go in behind the curtain, and offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. Ever read Leviticus? Probably gotten about halfway through and stopped. That's what Leviticus is about. I've gotten through it about 30 times to chapter probably 12 and then stopped. Only the high priest was allowed in. This this was so serious that they even would tie a rope around the high priest's waist in case he died in in the holy of holies. That way no one would have to go in. They could just, oh, something's wrong. Let's get him out of there. Like it was a serious thing and only the high priest could go in. It was, it was there where, where he made sacrifices on behalf of the people's sins. They couldn't do it on their own. They couldn't go to God by themselves. They had to have a mediator. They had to have a priest. But Hebrews goes on to say, Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice to shed his own blood once and for all. See, this priest would go in once a year and perform these sacrifices, but Jesus came once and for all. It says to put away the sin by the sacrifice of himself. And then one chapter later, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, let us draw near with a true heart. Guys, this is, this is good news. The curtain was ripped down by the perfect blood of Jesus so that we could have access to God directly. That's what the new covenant is. Paul says in Corinthians that the temple of God is not a building anymore, it's our bodies. His spirit dwells within us. So, all those quiet times you have the, the QTs, the solos, the coffees, and the word whatever you call them, I do them too. Those are legitimate now that Jesus has died. We can read his Bible. We can read the Bible. We can access him directly. His spirit dwells within you if you have faith and believe that he is the Savior of your soul. Jesus' death ripped down the curtain so that we could have direct access to him, number two. Number three, Jesus died to reveal himself as the Son of God. Look at verse 39 with me. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Now, presumably, there were many people watching as Jesus died. But Mark notes the proclamation that Jesus is is indeed the Son of God comes from a Roman centurion, now, Roman centurion during this time was in charge of 100 soldiers. And he, would likely, he was likely in charge of overseeing Jesus' torture, directing folks, telling them what to do, beat this guy. Yet, this is the man who sees Jesus for who he really is. Even the enemies of Jesus can't help but recognize that he's the Son of God. You see, it's in this, that, in the cross, only in the cross is Jesus rightly recognized. He's not a moral teacher. He's not just a good guy. C.S. Lewis once put it, he's either a liar, he's either a lunatic, or he's the Lord. And no matter what you believe tonight, no matter what you came in here believing, you have to say that Jesus is one of those three. And of all places, the cross is where we see him as Lord. So Jesus experienced hell for us. He provided direct access to God for us. He revealed himself to be son of God. Question number two, why? Why did he do this? And it's, it's actually pretty simple, but yet profound. And I'll say it in four words it's because he loves you. Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There's a link between loving and giving of yourself. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Talk about an intimidating verse. Can't do that. There's a correlation between giving of yourself and love. And the greatest act of love is dying for someone. I uh, have a confession to make. Um, I'm 26 years old, that's not my confession, but I'm 26 years old and I'm reading Harry Potter for the first time. I know it's bad, you can boo me if you want. At the end of the first book, I hope I don't ruin it. If you haven't read it at this point, you deserve for it to be ruined. Um, at the end of the first book, Harry and Dumbledore are having a conversation. And Harry, uh, remember he's just had the, the little battle with Professor Quirrell. He's desperate for the truth. And Harry looks at Dumbledore and he says, why couldn't Quirrell touch me? Quirrell burned when he touched Harry. He said, why, why couldn't Quirrell touch me? And Dumbledore says, Your mother died to save you. If there is one thing Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. He didn't realize that love, as powerful as your mother's for you, leaves its own mark. Not a scar, no visible sign. To have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, will give us some protection forever. How is J.K. Rowling not a Christian? Come on. His mother's sacrificial death for him is precisely why Harry goes on this adventure to fight for goodness and truth. This information Dumbledore revealed to, to Harry wasn't the end for Harry. It was the beginning. He didn't hear this word and then continue on as uh, in just normal life as he had been. Harry was changed by this information, by this news. And so far tonight, I, I've told you just stuff, just information about Jesus' death that you've probably heard before. So I want to ask you, what are are you going to do with this information? Folks, Jesus' love for you drove him to the cross, and this moment begs a response from you and from me. Yes, Jesus died the death that we were supposed to, but we are called to another type of death. Halfway through Mark, Jesus calls the crowds and the disciples to himself in chapter eight. And he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would lose his life, excuse me, for whoever who would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? If you claim Jesus, you trust in him, that he has your life right where it needs to be, you're called to die to yourself daily. I'm called to die to myself daily. Paul writes in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. What does that mean? What does it mean to die to yourself? Well, if we think about it, the opposite of dying to yourself is living for yourself. What does that mean? Stay true to who you are? Look inside to find your true self? Block all the haters out? Jesus died for you so that you might live for Him. He saved you not only from something, but to something, from your sin and to Himself. So... As we close, who is this Jesus? He's revealed himself to us in the unlikeliest of places, the cross. Jesus is the son of God who came to die for you because he loves you. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. What what joy was set before him? It's a relationship with you, with his people. That's his joy. His love is a toxic love. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So I'll say it again. Without the death of Jesus, your life would be meaningless. My life would be meaningless because our our sin would still reign in us. And there would be nothing we could do to get rid of it on our own. We'd be spiritually dead and nothing that we, we ever did On this earth would matter. But praise God. Praise God that Jesus loved us enough to go to the cross and not just to suffer and not just to experience a little pain, but but to die, to experience complete, complete separation from God on the cross. Praise God that Jesus has died. And in doing so, he's he's killed sin. He's killed sin and death itself so that we might respond in faith and live for him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful that we, we can't even put it into words what you've done for us. Your death is... It's, it's unimaginable. We could never think up of a story like this where a God would condescend and come down to us and take on the form of a servant, of a slave, empty himself on the cross so that we could have eternal life, fellowship with you forever. Lord, change us Change us right now. Would your spirit convict us of our sin? Convict us of our sin and allow us to repent and turn back to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for us and for showing your power over death by rising up from the grave. Lord, be with us as we go from this place tonight, as we go about our lives. Would we speak truth to those around us? Would we speak the gospel to those around us? Be with us as we go from here, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen.